Welcome to The Rose Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. In South Africa, it brings people together, it breaks down barriers. Right, my passion, winning to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. Sacrifice, role as high Compassion, great. Life. Passion, fiction, gold, ultimate gold. Glory, relentless training, pain, pain. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to another awesome episode of The Row Show. As always, it's myself, Lawrence Britton, and with me again, legend coach Roger Barrow. Uh, Roger, thanks for coming back. Thanks for being on the show for our Regatta Madness. Cool. Well, thanks for having me back. Um, it was an unbelievable weekend of racing, so I'm so happy that we can talk about it. Yeah, I'm super keen to to get stuck in there. So many talking points and what a weekend of, of racing. What a weekend of sport in general. I mean, I felt like the, the whole weekend, it was hard to leave the couch because there was so much sport on and, and the rowing was just dominated at all. No, exactly. I mean, the rowing was exceptional. The Wimbledon, I mean, how were all the, the Skinner going into that um, with the Aussie and um, with Djokovic and, and F1? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, it's been it's been great. So, yeah, we were packed full and the rowing was took center stage for me and it was unbelievable to watch. And I think I just want to start off with what an epic week for, for weekend for GB. I mean, they've just come out guns blazing, so many new new names on the block and just performing race after race. Yeah, actually, I don't even know where to start. I mean, GB were exceptional. I mean, you know, with all the changes in, in Tokyo, with the problems they had there and so much pressure on funding, I mean, who, who, the women's four, men's four, men's eight, I wear women's double, men's scudder. I mean, where, where, do we, where do you start on all of this? Yeah, and I mean, just to get the all three in the in the sweep is always, you know, Martin Cross spoke about it quite a bit. It's always just a, a big achievement, no matter what regatta you, you do it at. And yeah, I mean, they're just so much depth. Because it's just, I mean, it just shows you how many people they have in, in GB rowing and how many, how much talent they have. Because, you know, to just pull people through that haven't been in the team before, or, you know, haven't done much, in their history of racing and then to just be coming in and winning uh, World Cup medals is, for me, ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, also looking at different coaching with Paul Standard taking over, I mean, Paul was coaching the men's quad, which didn't have a great regatta and haven't found form. But it's interesting where a head coach of a nation is now coaching the bottom boat. And I think that might say something into the whole new system of GB. Uh, and one day you better have an episode on on just looking at what's changed since the Jurgen era because his era was unbelievable. But we can't fault GB at Henley and now Lucerne. Lucerne was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, so so cool. And you know, just talking about all those numbers, you know, GB topped the the medal table with six gold medals. And this we're just talking about Olympic events here. So it's only Olympic events. There's only fourteen Olympic events, and they won six of the the gold medals. That's exceptional. Yeah. And the next country is Australia with one gold medal. So winning the medal table by five golds. And then Australia basically coming second with uh, all the silvers. And we've got to remember, Paris is just around the corner. It's not like mm. we've just finished Tokyo. We did, but it was a year late. Yeah, and I feel like it's the pressure is on because people don't have those two years to build up to qualifying. You know, qualifying is next year. So crews have to be quite well established basically by the end of this year going into the beginning of next year to qualify. Otherwise, you know, the wheels will come off some of the countries, I think. No, exactly. And I'm sure we'll touch on just now, but if we looked at the actual rowing and GB under, 
their, their stroke rates were probably four to six pips lower than all their competitors, and they were winning the races. So, you know, they finish in the race having done 20 to 40 strokes less and still winning. So how, how do people match that? You yeah. know, it's a difficult one. And it's such a stark contrast between the Aussie style of racing at the moment, you know, with this huge start, huge first thousand, keeping it above 40 the whole way down the track. You know, the four didn't dip below 41 the whole way down the track. And then, and GB just that long, looking for that big length, looking for that like smooth rowing. And, you know, we always speak about uh, Drew Ginn's rhythm and, you know, how is his, his perceived rowing. But I think the British are really putting a, a, a strong point here for just that length, that calm, cool racing and doing damage in the second half of the race, not early. Yeah, I think you're exactly spot on. And there was such awesome video footage of the, the GB8. I mean, you could really see they had that camera angle from behind. And just the, the stern pair of the GB8, I thought, were exceptional on just the length they were creating. And they were getting that length after six strokes out to start um, and that power, power rhythm. Yeah, no, for sure. So before we get stuck into too many, to, to the numbers too much, I want to go back because I have to make an action, an apology on the, the show, Rog. You know, I... It will be my first and only apology ever on the Rose Show. But, you know, last week we got all excited with this new uh, Kiwi Girls pair, only to turn out that it's uh, it's actually just a, been a name change. And I'm not really sure how we didn't pick it up because we were looking at the eight and we were looking, we were talking about how Kerry was in the sixth seat last year. And, yeah, so Kerry um, Williams was just uh, Kerry Gowler. New, new name, but same crew. And I think what happened is as World Rowing changed the name, all her previous results changed as well. And I only looked at last year's uh, Olympic race. So apologies for that. But they still managed to come out and perform and show us exactly why they are Olympic champions and double Olympic medalists. So, you know, they had a tough race, but they still managed to to keep their spot up. Yeah, I mean, they're just such a unified pair. And actually, I wondered when it, because I didn't realize that name until I actually watched the race. And then I looked at the rowing and thought that looks really familiar, unless this new twin has done exactly <laughs> the same kind of rowing. But then it then was easy to pick up. But that can be forgiven. And it's funny because uh, Kerry has a sister in the eight as well. Exactly. So, and they do row very similarly. But the, um, yeah, I mean, I just, so cool to see them back. And they couldn't have spent that much time together this year. No, they probably didn't, especially with um, her being in um, at Cambridge. Yeah. So it's it's very different. So I think that they, I think this is a, a early race for them, and I think they will show a lot more of their their natural, uh, you know, style of winning by by a, a bit more later I, on. I'm sure, and I'm. I mean, I always wondered, you know, with the Cambridge incident or the Cambridge scenario, how much did she portray her rhythm? Because you know, she rose a redefined rhythm. And how much was she giving that to the eight and all the other girls following her being an unbelievable rower or, or were they under the coach's instructions? Yeah. I mean, we were talking about it on the show because we had one of our South African girls, Paige Bardenos, racing in the, in the eight and we were talking about how jealous we were because, you know, just to, to be in that crew and soaking up knowledge from uh, Grace would be unbelievable. Yeah. And she had, uh, she's done exceptionally well come across from the states be in that eight get a world record in the in the boat race it's just great for her yeah so i think i think but i think we're going to see a lot more speed from them later on definitely yeah and then um i think the weather we spoke about earlier in the in the hype train was going to be good and really really nice it looked like from the percentage side it looked like the speed got a bit quicker after the break that lunchtime you know one to two things got uh, nice and quick I really liked uh, Olaf coming in the commentary booth to to hear him uh, just keeping his foot in rowing there. Can't get can't get rid of him, but it was very cool to to see him come in and commentate for the the two skull races. And 
I think for me, I had a huge beef with World Rowing for not having video on Saturday. I was bitterly disappointed because I don't know why I thought there was going to be video for Saturday. I don't know why I had that in my head after the the hype train. I was keen to watch the the A A B semis, turn it on, and then just audio commentary. No, you're exactly right. And I think there's so many up-and-coming rowers and many crews didn't even make the A-final. And it's hard to comment looking at Tracker, which Tracker is pretty poor to watch. Um, you don't really know what's going on. And then you're just looking at the result sheet. So it was so disappointing that at least the semis or the non-Olympic um, A-finals that afternoon have to be televised. It's You just learn so much and see so much. But I don't understand. Cause like surely they have the cost of setting it all up and bringing all that equipment in you know, now you already have it for one day. Surely just extending it a day or two or two days is, is not really that much. And also, I mean, Henley's videoed the whole bloody week. I mean, even here in South Africa, we can watch a whole weekend of schools rowing all yeah. live and it's all done. And here in Switzerland, the most advanced country in the world, we cannot. And I don't understand it. And, I, and it just defeats me for world rowing because, I mean, what are they? It feels like they're just wasting money basically or throwing it away but then the other point of it though was that there actually weren't that many people watching the the live stream so i don't know if maybe we were discussing on our on a patreon group and maybe there's some um you know uh, rights and stuff that other like bbc has bought the rights and no one else wants to bid for it so maybe there are more people watching it around but it's a youtube feed and the biggest the most numbers i saw was three thousand people watching the AIDS race at the the end of the day which wasn't a lot relative to when you're seeing the Henley numbers. Yeah, it's, yeah. Isn't it? Henley numbers were like 90,000. But I'm convinced if they had more countries, you know, an A-final, not ev- only the purest are going to be watching those A-finals on Sunday. But on Saturday, when you've got more countries participating, um, a bigger vibe looking at it, it, definitely more would be watching. Yeah, so I yeah, I just think they, there's, a, there's something going wrong there because there should be way more people watching and there should be way more video of rowing to watch. Isn't there a new CEO of World Rowing? I think uh, Matt Smith's finished. It. So uh, it's worth an email. Yeah. Maybe we should have him on the show. Exactly. Some, some tricky questions. <laughs> maybe maybe he's listening to the show and he'll reach out and come and answer, answer, answer the, the, question. the questions that we're asking. That'll be a first. <laughs> um, I think we definitely missed a few countries. We really missed USA, um, especially on the women's side. We really missed the Irish on the women's side as well. I thought that they, they, they have been adding so much value to the racing lately that it was it was sad to not see them there, but I think they'll be back. So that's not uh, not really, we, I mean, we'll get it at World Champs. So there's got to be something to look forward to there. No, exactly. And I think Europeans around the corner, you know, Europeans for the European countries is such a big funding spinner where they've got to do well at. Um, it's amazing. I've learned how much, how important those that regatta is just so countries keep their funding. So I think a lot of countries that will be aiming to peak, um, get a good result there so that they can get funding in preparing for Paris. And maybe Ireland was part of that. Yeah, I'm sure. And then looking at the numbers though, so going back, so every week or every regatta we will go through and, and write and get all the numbers down, compare them to the world best times so we get a percentage of all the winners so then we can rank them from first two to last across all the boat classes so it's really interesting if you want access to the the number sheet you're welcome to go across to our patreon page uh we send it and share it with with everyone on there so yeah just go have a look and then also so looking at it the women's four crushed it at 98.87 percent so it was quite a fast weekend you know especially these top uh end of of racing was was pretty quick yeah, it was really quick. I think only one record went. Uh, I think the lightweight women's single on the GB Scala on the Saturday afternoon. 
Um, she rode a, a 7.23, um, which took the record down by two. So conditions were fast, there's no doubt. And pretty much were fast from Friday afternoon. Yeah, and then really progressed through the through the day. So when you're looking at the time sheets, uh, the time compared to the percentages, really after lunch, after that lunch break, there was a huge spike in, in times really, really quick. And the only standout there when you're looking at the time, everyone was to kind of together in the morning and then everyone was kind of together in the afternoon except the lighty men's double. Huge standout finishing third on the sheet with the Italian crews coming in at 98.7. So the spread also I feel like was quite tight compared to most regattas. You know, being at 1.7% over the top 10, 11 events. Yeah, I think you're quite right. You're always going to find those closer percentages just when the t- when it's a tailwind relative to the big headwinds. But it is a great spread. You, when you say you know 97 percent up to 98, eight, nearly 99 on the women's four, it it really was close. But that Italian race, I think that might be my favorite. We'll get to those favorite races just now. Yeah. Oh it, my goodness. And it was for me. It was also a bit like surprising as well. I wasn't really. I didn't like at the start of the the men's. Uh, lighty double i wasn't sitting there going oh this is going to be a great race between the italians i was just like and then they just started to creep through the the field and their dice between each other at the end was i couldn't believe what we were watching well i think maybe there's italian politics because are they from two they know they split up their top double and uh, you know that italian double with ruta and um oppo yeah oppo they've been together for a long time and they deserve to be winning um they've really been at it but to split them like that I think it was just who, who had bragging rights that evening or who was buying McDonald's for the team. Um, it was unbelievable. Yeah, because like also, first of all, why split them up? They're already so good. And then to and then for them to be so neck and neck close, which it makes their, their selection really difficult. And for them both to be first and second in the in the lighty men's double, which is already a competitive field. And what was the time gap between the two? Point something? Uh, point three? Point no, two? It was it was even closer, 6 at 12.45, and it was 0.3. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. But if you watch the video, they're both looking at each other, just seeing, going hell for leather. And I think third was Norway, just coming behind. Yeah, Norway, also close, Yeah, 6.14. But I think Norway were just fighting for that bronze or France yeah. um, because that was really tight. But the Italians were just, it was who's buying McDonald's at night. Yeah. So what do you think they'll do now, though? <laughs> what, would you, what would you okay so what would you do you now you've selected these two really tight doubles you've had they've had a crazy race down the track and you now have two really world-class doubles well knowing the italians they've probably gone home and going to do on the program do 10 1ks and keep swapping the double and see who's who's winning that and that'll be the selection vote for for europeans but you know you've got to go with the two experienced guys um i mean the irish weren't there the germans weren't there um you know, those were those are the two yeah. form crews at from from Tokyo, so it's it's tough. But as I say, there's there's common sense and there's the Italian way, which often works. So whoever gets the the best result of ten one k's in Petaluka on the training on Wednesday, probably take the result. Because I mean, it's a tricky place, especially as a coach. I feel to now have you have these two really good crews with no nothing split between them, and then you can only take one of them to world champs, and you can't. There's nowhere else for the, the other lightweights really to go. Yeah, and I mean, the men's lightweight quad is a, not an event. I mean, World Rowing's offering that. I think there were two, maybe three entries this time. Yeah. But it is really tough for that. But I think, you know, Italian Ruta and um, his partner, they've been going for a long time. So it's great that there's a new double coming through. So probably keep the experience and keep the young ones really going and let them keep challenging for it. And if they're going to beat the old dogs, it's not going to take long. 
um, then they've got a brand new double and um, heading at the top level. Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, the Irish are really good. So maybe Italy just trying to get something there to, to box with the Irish. I hope so. I, I hope those Irish are going to get back together. I mean, the one won the lightweight single. Um, I think they're both in the singles this time. So maybe they're having a break from, from being together. Um, you never quite know with lightweights. Yeah. You know, lightweights are different and special sometimes. So, you know, there, there could be a lot going on there. And then another uh, thought, maybe not another, not a tight race, but another standout performance for <coughs> me was the women's double with the Romanians. Oh, absolute class. I um, mean, they're just, just dominating this event by so far. Yeah, I mean, they won this, I think, by five, four, four and a half seconds. I mean, since the games and even before the games. I remember we've, we've been in Petaluca watching them row. Um, they are just in their own league. Uh, the length they row, the power they have, um, the, the, the synchronicity between the two girls, that's what I find amazing. Um, they are so in time and so together with the boat. Yeah. So, Rog, what would you, what should we discuss next? There were so many. The Sinkoviches. Oh, that was one where I actually, I backed the Aussies before. Yeah. I think the Aussies were exceptional in, in um, Henley. And then watching that race, I think I actually sent you a message on about one minute 55. I think they had just gone through the <laughs> 500 and the, the Sinkoviches were looking their power and the Aussies just got about a meter in front. I, and I sent you that message right yeah. then. I thought, see, I got another one right. But then, <laughs> then those Sinkoviches thought otherwise. I, th- I should have actually left this event for the end so I could, I could finish on a high because <laughs> you got most of them. But uh, yeah, the Sinkoviches, you, you can't bet against them. No, you can't. But I, I think it's so good for rowing that the Aussies, they're a new combination. Um, they, they, they're really they're good. And I think it's good. I mean, we also want to just talk about Spain. Because if you watch the line, yeah. Spain had the most killer finish in lane one um, and really caught up to, to both boats. Um, I mean, it was close on the line between the Sinkoviches, Australia, and the Spanish boat. But, yeah. you know, Spain... You know, they've always had mixed results. So I was really happy for them as a country. Um, they've always put so much into rowing. And it's great now to often been in the men's pair, um, the women's pair, and they've always been in the A-finals. But to see their men's heavy double come storming at the finish like that was really good to see. Yeah, very, very cool. And then on the, the staying on the, the double, the you know, because the French double, that's Olympic champions, were in the singles and they didn't have a best weekend. No, you actually wonder if they how long they're going to stay in singles for. Um and, and why they've gone into singles. I mean, that's what you've got to admire with the Sinkoviches, is they stick to what they know and what they know they do so well. Um, they don't go and try and play in singles for a bit of time. They dabbled in the pair and were exceptional in the pair and, and straight back in the double and dominating. Yeah, when we chatted to them on the, the show after Tokyo, because we had them before to talk about the double and going into the pair, and then we had them after Tokyo, and they were, they were so happy. They were so excited to be going back in the double. I think the pair was... Not like it was just not comfortable for them at all. I think the whole time was a struggle. It was this huge challenge. I'm surprised that even the way they speak about it, I'm surprised that they carried on and committed to it so so much. And then even Martin, he says he said to us, um, if when he was so happy when they finished the when they won in Tokyo because it meant that they could go back to the double, they didn't have to carry on <laughs> racing in the pair to to get the win. So um, yeah, yeah, that's why I just backed them so much too. They have such BMT as well when they when it comes to that pressure. I feel like they are a crew that has raced a lot under huge pressure, so they're not like just used to sitting up front and and winning by miles. They often have bad weekends where things don't go their way and then they still got to stand up and, and perform. No, exactly. And I think the doubles event is really hotting up. I hope the French are back in for Europeans. 
But um, do you think they're going to be faster when they get back in? I mean, the one guy didn't even make the final, and it's not like this was a very particularly fast field. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, those French rode that boat beautifully. I mean, they were one of the standout crews from Tokyo. So, but I, you know, they've got to get in. They've got to do the business. You know, they're hiding away from the double because of the Sinkoviches are there. Um, who knows the dynamics? But I, I hope th- they can't stay in the singles for for Europeans. They've got to get back in the double, and I hope they're back there to to race it. For sure. And then staying on the the two the two men boats, uh, the men's pair. This was a big one that you called because I thought that the the Kiwis were going to take this one, and the the British came guns blazing. A much better race than their Henry row. Yeah, I mean Rob Baker, their their coach, and Austin Cambridge, and interesting. That's different from the old British system where these two can go back to Cambridge. Um, they can train on their own occasionally and train under him. And um, I mean they were amazing. I think they got a wake up call. If you watch that Henley race, they really shortened, almost panicked. And you, there was no panic in this race. They were exceptional. I think it's the difference that. between the the one on one racing at Henley and you know the, there's so much action there and wash and, and it's like a lot of distractions. Whereas I think yeah, you know you're not trying to just destroy one other crew. You're trying to win the whole race over six lanes. So I think being a bit calmer and, and pacing your race better. Whereas I think maybe at Henley they just try to take on the the Kiwis too early. Yeah, you know, maybe it was a bit of overconfidence from the first World Cup where they, they just cruised, really. I mean, they, they won that first one pretty easily just by rowing well. And then I think Henley, they just thought, well, let's just go out and do it again. But it doesn't always go according to plan. So it's good to lose at their, sort of their young crew, um, but they're only going to get better and better. Yeah, so, I mean, and that was another standout crew from GB for me because, like, watching them row, I think for me that was one of the, technically one of the better rows of the whole weekend. Uh, they pay. I really, really like the way they they were moving the boat down the track. It looked looked really, really sharp. It really did, and I I loved the Serbians in that race. You know, those two have been together oh, for a yeah. long time, and they're such warriors and such fighters, and haven't always had things going their way. Um, I loved the way they always approach the heats and semis. You never want to race those guys in the heats and semis because they just blow you away, and then they try and hang on and for the semi, but uh, for the final. But it was great having them on the podium. Um, they rode really well, and they they awesome to have in the race. Yeah, and they yeah, they were yeah, really, really quality race. I thought they put Australia under huge pressure. I mean, and I was quite surprised to see Hill managing to to pull out the sprint because I think he wasn't actually he was in third for a little bit of that race at the end of the, the in the sprint. Most definitely to to come sprint back into second. I was quite impressed. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. And I think that's going to be quite a good race at uh, World Champs, I think, when everyone starts to just get a bit more confidence that the next few months of training, because everyone feels very new in the in the pair combos. So I think once everyone just settles down, I think we're going to have very good racing at World Champs. Most definitely. Um, I mean, the, Brit- the British have to be favourites. They've got their second pair, I mean, who won the, actually the British trials. That must be a first where the pair that won the British trials isn't winning um, or isn't in the eight, and that'd probably be the spare pair um, going through to it. But uh, a lot of the combinations are set. I think we're missing anyone. We haven't seen a Canadian pair. Um, they're probably the American pair that comes to the fold. But I can't see anyone else running with those top five. And do you think that the Aussies, because obviously there's been changes now with Hill being in the single, then going into the pair. Do you think that the Aussies might hedge their bets now between Hill and the pair and the four, both of them coming second to, um, to GB? Look, you know, the Aussies still had a good weekend. I mean, we talk about the Brits, but the Aussies almost won all the silvers. They, I think they got a, a total of five 
Yeah, um, five they got silvers. Five silvers, which is still good in Olympic events. Um, you know, you've still got to go out and qualify all these boats next year. It's not a bad position to be. So I wouldn't mix up too much that, you know, if they take Hill out the pair, maybe the four is going to be quicker, um, but then the pair is going to be a whole lot slower. Um, and we've seen in that pair that competition between one and four with the Kiwis, Serbians, Brits, and Aussies, you know, out of the middle. So uh, if it was me, I'd probably keep the combinations. They need to make the combinations better um, and stick with it because it's still great results they got. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm just interested to see because they don't. Uh, the Australians don't usually change combinations later on after their selection is usually pretty pretty set. Yeah, they l- always are pretty set. Yeah. They, you, you're quite right. They don't really change it. But so we've also always seen an Aussie four absolutely dominating um, at the stage. I mean, we've we've seen the odd wave. Um, or the Kiwi pair used to do that. I think it was Murray. We used to wave when when Hodgie and uh, Reed were about six or seven seconds behind. But it was the same with that Aussie four um, at Lucerne Regattas where they were just winning by five seconds. I think the wave is taught from um, uh, Matt Pinson there across <laughs> Henley finish line. <laughs> <laughs> the, oh, then what else, Roger? The single? I thought the main single was a banger race as well. Um, you know, the new... Uh, for GB again, coming out with a huge, a huge win, Graham Thomas. And yeah, just, I mean, owning the race. Completely. And you, we noticed he didn't race Henley. He was the only British boat that didn't race Henley. And he was down in Cavisham training and preparing for this. So he, he gave us his all. And it's so nice when someone like that gives them all, their all and walks away with gold. Yeah. So he was exceptional. And we missed Oli Ziedler. I don't know what happened. I think he was sick or injured or something. He had to pull out. I think there was illness, yeah. And then there's not like a huge amount of other people missing. You know, got Sverre Nielsen also needs to come in and show us uh, what he's up to. And then... Where's our Greek scholar? Yeah, he, but he hasn't had... He he didn't have a great time at um, Pedaluco early in the year. No. I didn't see him race. Did he race in any of the other world? He was in one of the World Cups, but it, so. he's he's got to come. I, I and think this would have been a good week for him, a bit quicker. Yeah, he would have good uh, conditions. Yeah, so um, would have been at his best, hopefully. But hopefully, we see him at Europeans. Yeah, I think we will definitely see him at Europeans. But Thomas, it's great. I mean, <laughs> I hate to say this, but GVR are, are killing it. I mean, within the sweep boats and and winning a skull, um, that's a big event. Yeah, you must be enjoying it though, Roger, because you're a bit British, eh? Lawrence, <laughs> we're not going to go there <laughs> in this conversation. <laughs> So, Rod, you pick a, a race to to chat about because I feel like it's a lucky draw at the moment. There's not um, there's not much to to you know. All the events were, were good. It doesn't matter which one you you want to chat about next. Well, look, I, I, we spoke briefly on the women's four, but you know, GB took you know GB won Henley. Um, they split up the eight. Remember, we discussed it in the hype um, train, but they split up the eight and put them both in fours. But that GB four um, was exceptional. I mean, to win. Um, that race, um, a great time of 6.18. You know, I always compare men's and women's events by 40 seconds. And, I mean, those are close to 30 seconds off the men's four. So it was an exceptional row. And also just watching the rowing. Once again, GB rowing has just gone up a level with the length of stroke they're rowing, less strokes than all the competitors, and getting their barbells across the line. So that was a standout race for me. Yeah, and, I mean, the few things on the just on the, the prognostic sheet is the or the percentage sheet is the, the women's for top of the sheet and men's for bottom or second from the, the bottom. So there's a huge discrepancy between them. And as you're saying, so you usually look 40 seconds and there's yeah, 32 seconds between them. And the British uh, girls, they're winning by the most. So that's the biggest winning margin over the whole day at 1.5%. So they really did 
smashed this race and yeah, looking incredible. And you know, I've got a question: Who's going to come out and and give the Brits in the four? So are the British going to stay in the four, or are they going to go back to the eight? Um, I'd love to see them staying in the four and just seeing who's going to come back. Denmark had a good four. The USA at Henley, their eight was okay. Um, I didn't see many fours, but something's got to come out of there. But who's going to challenge this? The this Irish British? also were de- pretty decent. They've got a good four. And the yeah, you know, I don't know because the, where were the Australian goals in the four? Well, I think whether they've put their top four in the eight. Um, hence winning them winning gold. In there the was some days. of them though. There was, yeah. I think, there was one of the the McIntyre. top McIntyre was in the it was in the four. So yep. they obviously didn't have a have a good weekend. But I, th- I think there are a few crews that we'll see because they there are possibilities. You know, like the USA or you know some of them could do something. But and the British might go into the four into the eight. Back into the eight. Yeah, they've oh. got to look at that. But you know, as we were talking earlier, British depth. Can they keep this four? And have and <laughs> they bet you they've got another four hanging around Cavisham yeah. that they're going to put in that eight and, and make it just as strong. Yeah. But it, it's great to see from their side. And also just what's so awesome is, I mean, we from the beginning, we were huge fans of the women's four coming into the program because we knew that it was going to build this, you know, there was there was so much competition. And so that's such a bridge between the pair and the eight. And look at it now. You know, it's not even it hasn't even been on the, the 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 roster for what four or five years, and now it's already at top of the sheets for World Cups, which is very cool. And most definitely, I mean, when you look at their world record on six fourteen, the men's world record on 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 five thirty seven. I mean, that that six fourteen. I remember the New Zealand women's four did it back in twenty fourteen um, mm. on the Boss Barn yeah. when it was really quick that time. So you know, six fourteen is a blooming good time in the women's four. So you know, you could sort of punt. Well, it hasn't been an Olympic event. There's still got to be a lot more quick times to come but that standard is really good yeah actually it was something we've spoken about before because Kerry and Grace hold that yep. women's four re- record and that was before it was an Olympic event and now it's been an Olympic event for a while and you know that record is still standing strong exactly um, and it, it didn't even go in Tokyo with all the other records yeah but I mean women's rowing has just gone from strength to strength Henley showed that and it's once again showing on the on the percentage table where we're getting the women's four and the women's double um, right at the top. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really really epic, right, Rog? The racing was unbelievable this weekend. Um, is there anything anything else you you really want to chat about? You know, the Germans pretty interesting, and and I think Martin t- touched on it in the commentary. The German men's eight is a new look eight, and you, you could see the way they rode. Um, they're, they're a whole lot younger, but it was exciting to how they raced it. I mean, obviously, GB just moved out 37 strokes a minute. It was powerful rhythm down, and they have the standout crew. But it was really interesting who was coming second um, with the Aussies um, in Germany. And Romania were right there. So I think that, that sort of scrap for third, second, third, and fourth um, is good. But the Germans, they will be back um, just by watching that race because h- h- you know the names well. How many new names are in that, that German yeah. eight? No, there, there's a lot of new names in general, I feel. Yeah. And I feel like the, there's pressure because there's only three years for the Olympics. You know, we're not going to get to know everyone that well yeah. by the time there's, you know, there's going to be lots of people next year qualifying for the games that we're not, you know, not sure who they are, where they fit in. So oh, it's really exciting to to see all these new people coming in and performing against. And we know that there's good crews here. It's not like an earlier regatta or earlier World Cup where you know you know that there's still more to come and there's lots of people missing. Yeah. Yeah, the the the, the standard is really high. I mean and as you know, the other thing is the G B have done they've also put their own mark on their own back where everyone knows they're the fastest yeah. and everyone's out to catch them. Yeah. And uh 
I think that's also a good and bad place. But the Germans, for me, are an exciting crew to watch. Well, I, well, a crew that I thought was quite disappointing in the eight was the Italians. I thought they would be much faster with all the big dogs. I thought they were pretty close as Italian eights go. I know, but I just, yeah, I thought that they would have a better row. You know, you got Lotto, Vincino, you got uh, Matteo, and you know, they're all there, so... Gee, I thought that when I was watching because they never we've actually raced him in the eight yeah. and you guys raced him in Petaluca and we weren't we were actually pretty close with him. But I, I so when I watched that I thought actually you guys they did well to make the A final um, because the Romania one crew didn't make it and um, there were two other crews that didn't make it. Canada just I mean they were with Canada so I thought it was quite a good effort from them. Okay, I just wanted them to I liked those those guys so I wanted them to be up and up there a little bit more a they, closer. Given the names in the boat, they should be because they're always up there with the boats. Um, with but the they also and sat it weird though because they put all the big guns in the middle, and I thought yep. they would put them in the f- stone fort to to lead the lead the charge. Yeah, but those guys pull like slaves. Yeah. I mean, it's not always pretty to watch them rowing, but you know what they're putting on the end of the spoon is is quality stuff. Oh, then Rog, there was another thing I wanted to ask you about is especially on the sculling side, a lot of crews using the new spoons from uh, um, Concept Two. It's like a round spoon. Do In the sculling? Yeah. Were they winning? Some of them. She would have to look into that, eh? <laughs> Are they at the, in the men's quad, though? Did Poland have them? Yeah. Really? Well, then they must work if they're leading in the front there. Um, I think, you know, those round spoons, I actually remember now, they came out in Lucerne a few years ago. And, you know, like anything new in, in, in world rowing, I mean, how many people were rowing with those w- rear wing backs? Uh, quite a lot now. Um, that Felipe brought out first, and then Impact has now yeah, joined. Like it. Nearly everyone is now almost. There. Well, the British pe- men's pair isn't. British men's fours not, and British men's eights not. So they've still got their old boats back from Tokyo, and they haven't. But everyone else has upgraded to that. But it almost feels like they're probably not making a big difference. But it's something new, and will will a country try it, and do they like it? Um, and that's so difficult to get new technology into world rowing. Because everyone likes their feeling. I mean, I saw even the, the the Serbian pair. They were rowing with an old cut-down F-17, carbon rigger, front rigger, not even rear. Um, so it's it, this, this technology is interesting to watch who's going to use it and who's not. Are they being yeah. paid to use it? Um, or is it? do they really believe it's faster? Yeah, that's good points. Because, I mean, look, I think out of all, all the new stuff I ever tried rowing, I think the Alianti back, back carbon sweep rigger is the was the biggest change for me. You know, like when the skinny blades came out and people adopted those very quickly. They did. In theory, they were so much faster. Theory, in yeah. practice, not to maybe so No, much. I don't think there's a huge difference. Yeah. But I feel like that that's what I'm saying, is that the Aliante for me was the only time I ever got in a boat and I thought this actually feels like it could be a bit quicker. Yeah. And noticeably different, whereas all the, everything else is... And I mean, it, and it can't be that much because you've got, um, you know, they've got so many crews still rowing aluminium wings. Exactly. I mean, I remember when the Kiwi pair, I mean, they stayed with those aluminium riggers. I think they tried carbon. Um, they didn't like it. I remember it talking hurt, to Eric. It hurt uh, Hamish's, Hamish's back. back or something like <laughs> that. And they stuck with it. So, you know, it's such a preference thing in this whole game. Um, but it's you've got to always look at the result sheet. What's winning? Yeah. Um. Cool. And I mean, yeah, just talking about going back on that eight, I mean, having 10 entries for the World Cup was ridiculous for men's eight. Having yeah. to have a, 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 you know, heats and. And USA were missing? Yeah. China was, was China, China was there. Uh, great to have Canada back. Um, I thought they were going to be better than what they were. 
I mean, Canada's taken a huge change. I mean, the women's eight uh, was good. I think they were third, um, second or third. But uh, I was hoping the Canadian men's eight were going to do a bit, bit, bit better. And they're going to jump all the way to the other end of the spectrum was the women's single. I thought wasn't like particularly fast, but it was such an epic race to watch. You well, know, you had Gamelin leading most of the race and Aussie looking much better in second, really comfy. And then Germany coming with the thunder at the end to take the win. Well, Germany just picked the be- best lane. I mean, she had that choice. Um, she could pick lane <laughs> lane six, which was obviously the fastest lane of that race. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm not being fair to that. But no, that was a cracker race that lane six came at the last last split second and took it. It's always, they're always good races where, and in Lucerne though when lane six is going fast because you can't see lane six on the video on the camera angles early on. So when people start to pick up speed, it does you doesn't come across at all in the video and exactly. then they suddenly snake it at the end when everything comes level and uh, and then they they win. But I mean, I thought that that was really good. I thought that wasn't that impressive from Gamelin. I thought she should be winning that race. You know, if she wants to box with the the other goals when they when the the event is stacked full of all the quality that we know is out there. Yeah. And I think that she was going to struggle a little bit because shouldn't be. I mean, that's Australians. The only the under twenty three world champion from last year. Yeah, I mean, we're missing. It was so sad not to have Twig in the race. I mean, she was injured and went home. We've still got Cola from um, USA. Is she yeah. going to be in the double or the single? Um, and we've got um, uh, Sanita Lobnik as well. And Lobnik, we've got Sanita from Ireland. Is she going to yeah. be in back in the double? Um, I, I don't blame her going back to the double because she's had a rough time in the single for so many years. Yeah. Um, and she's such a, a patron for the game and just hope she stays stays at it. Yeah. So, no, it was uh, that, that was pretty pretty good, I thought. But I thought there is a lot more to come from women's single. And yeah. you could see on the percentage sheet because that was right at the bottom. Yeah, no, most definitely. But you're quite right that lane six, you don't want lane six in Lucerne. Because you've always got that big motorboat, and if you're having a f- slow first K, you're almost racing that motorboat because he's got to stick with with the yeah. winners, and it's a tough lane. So that German scholar did very well. Hopefully, from a German perspective, we've actually got a, a German scholar coming through now. Yeah. But I would, I think, if I had to choose lanes, I would go lane. I would lane one for me is the worst close there because you're in the warm up wash and you. Especially if you're in a smaller boat and you're warming up with big boats, because then they cause all sorts of havoc down the down that first K, and yeah. then you then you get a lot of wash. But what did you think? I know you don't seem like a fan of this athletes get to pick the the lane. Look, rowing's pretty complex as it is. I mean, all we're doing is one more uh, one more question. I think what worries me about it is is countries with a lot of money are going to do research into courses of what lanes are faster. And I just think you know we've always been from South Africa and. We don't always have a lot of funding and we just worry about rowing. Now we're worrying about what lane has got movement and the big countries will do research in that eventually. But you don't think that the small countries can just copy? They can just follow on from what the, the big countries are doing? No, you can. Yeah, No, you certainly can. But you don't have the data, you don't have the information. And, you know, countries like GB, they put so much just into technical stuff with their boats already, they, they're going to have wind. I mean, how many video analysis do they have on the side of the, of the lake videoing all the crews? They're then going to have a, a wind specialist or a lane specialist. Mark my words, I bet within a year and a half, GB will have a wind specialist in their team deciding which lane to pick. Yeah. No, and then I think it does bring it back to being unfair. But it is there is an element of it's now, you know, because often when the wind turns, it's very clear for everyone to say like, okay, these lanes are quicker, but it takes world rowing a long time to make the decision. Whereas now maybe that decision can get made a bit quicker. 
No, no, no doubt. I mean, you know, as you say, the wind does turn quite quickly. And, you know, rowing, you, you're getting on that water 40 minutes before. Anything can happen in that 40 minutes. And then it's the athlete, well, did I make the right decision? But world rowing is basically given the responsibility now to the athlete. And yeah, to the team. So anyone says, well, the conditions weren't fair. Well, you had the best lane to choose. So I understand why world rowing has do, done it. I just hope it doesn't become who's got the best resources to choose the best lane when it is, does become tricky or predict the future. Yeah, because I think that's that's the tricky piece is when now suddenly the wind changes or something. But I think in general, it's not going to be a big talking point because most people are going to pick lane three and four and the rest will follow suit. It's only going to be on those certain events or certain days when there's wind and crosswind and courses where it's a bit unfair that this is going to come into into play. No, I think so. I mean, if we go back to Ethan Dorney, you know, that's a course where you want your best uh, wind guru on your team. And there are a few of the courses in it, but it does, it, at least it does take away this unfair part. And the courses are usually generally unfair in one direction throughout the, you know, like, you know, Carapiro. It is very clear that the, the crews in lane one are going a bit faster. So I think, you know, you might have people making slightly wrong choices as it's changing, but then the rest will follow suit very quickly. And tell me, was the lane selection only for A finals or was it also semis? I think it was semis. So it was well. everything. So you yeah, were choosing your from lane. From your heat. From your heat, okay. Yeah. No, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. It'll be interesting if they do it at Worlds. I hope under-23s is a tester. Uh, we're under-23s uh, this year. Um, that'll be a good one to check. Because seniors are Czech Republic. Yeah, Ricicci. Uh, Ricicci. That's a pretty fair course in yeah. theory. But let's see which lanes they do choose. No, so it's interesting. And I don't know. I'm, I'm quite I'm interested to see, because I don't think it's going to be a very big talking point on the fair courses, but I'm interested to see when we have a rough course that how this plays out. Yeah, especially, and I mean, they put a big time frame where obviously from a logistics point of view, you've got to choose that lane. I think it's an hour and 10 minutes before. So it's quite a big, that's where the prediction comes in. Is it turning? Um, where, where are you going with? I think you just got to back that it's, I mean, I, I think, I mean, you, there are going to be people that get unlucky, but I think in general, yeah, it's a, you know, the wind over a day is, is generally, you just got to, I would, especially if you're a small country, I would just go with kind of the flow. So see who, well, it all depends which choice you get. Yeah. Um, because you've got to go and see, it's all seeding. It was actually interesting watching the world rowing draw where it's A, B, C, D, and then you either get first choice if you're good or you get last choice if you're not so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, Rog, so let's just chat about the, what would you say is the event of the of the regatta? If you go go back, you could only watch one race or you had, you'd miss the regatta and someone said, no, you have to go watch this one race. Which race are you choosing? Oh my goodness! I've watched I've watched the Italian lightweight men's race over and over. Well, I've watched it a few times. I, oh, I've got to go with the men's four because the Aussies have been so dominant, and it it was big for them to lose. And I, I yeah, I don't like anyone to ever to lose, but I just thought the British after coming to that one foot, you know, people thought it was just Henley advantage. Um, big up to that crew for actually taking it, um, scruff of the neck and, and winning it. So for me, that was, and, and I liked the rowing and it was a good race. Yeah, that, that had to be the race for me. It is a good choice, but I, just, I don't know how you choose, don't choose the lighty men's double for me. It was ridiculously good. Yeah, no, look, that, you, yeah, it's, you've, you asked me such a tough question. And just ha for me, like the, the, the thing that puts it above it, I'm, and I agree, I agree 100% with your fours because, you know, having the Aussies, they've won for so long and it's kind of just almost given that they're going to come out the blocks, win by two lengths through the K and then hang on for dear life. And the GB did destroy that. Yeah. 
uh, you know, completely took it away from them. So uh, I think it is a big one. But to have two huge teammates, close teammates, coming down the track and coming first and second in the light immense double by the smallest of margins is incredible for me. No, it is absolutely amazing. And there are serious headache problems for those coaches. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think... I think that's that's a wrap for us, Rog. Is there anything else? Did we miss anything? I'm looking through my notes here. Jeez, we covered a lot there. Yeah, it was just so epic and, and so much to watch and see. And I think that the coverage of the A finals were really good. Yes. Um, we got we to gotta give it to whoever did that, who was responsible for that. Yeah. But it was just so good watching watching that racing. Um, and the commentary from their side was also on top four. Yeah, I mean, Martin Cross for me is just, he's, the, he's ridiculous with how much knowledge and how... I don't know. He just knows all these athletes. He knows what's going on with all the countries, and yeah, he makes listening and he makes watching the racing very, very um, awesome. Really and you can great. imagine the homework he does in that regatta park during the week because he knows every coach. He knows what's going on. He almost knows some of their tactics on how they're going. Um, so he does a huge amount of work, and it is awesome listening to him commentating on mm-hmm. racing. There's just so much to learn every time that he's commentating. Yeah, he's fantastic. So no, and I, and I think the rest of his team as well. It, really on point and really being bringing the the best of the the sport to us so watching the a finals was awesome exactly yeah yeah the other thing on the on the video though is the 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 shorter time between the racing how do they get the what do they do with the cameras and stuff to bring them back up to to the start you just run more boats well they were i mean that wash we've we've been there and that wash is ridiculous um where as the race finishes they go straight back up um, for the next day final, and they've got that time for the wash to settle with um, with the medal ceremony. You know, Lucerne is always a problem because all you know most other regatta courses have all cameras on cars. You know, Munich, um, where else in Bulgaria there aren't motorboats actually on the water. So Lucerne is problematic where there are just so many motorboats. And you know, we made the comment why aren't the semi-finals being filmed or why they're not using drones. Um, but there's so many environmental laws in Switzerland that a drone probably can't fly. Yeah. But you know they've got to they've got to get it better. Yeah, they need to do they need to do something. But anyway, I think that's we, we've ranted enough. But we also really appreciated the racing. We really loved watching it, and yeah, I think it was a perfect end to the World Cup series. Now we've got Europeans coming up, and then straight into to World Champs, which is going to be unbelievable. Well, that's the amazing thing when racing is this good. It almost makes me think. I just want the next race. Yeah. You know, I'm already thinking, I looked at my calendar this morning saying, when are Europeans? Because who's going to hold form? What's going to change? You know, our country's going to go back and, and, and reform certain crews, obviously like the, the Italian lightweight men's level. But we, we can't, I can't wait to see the Americans um, of what they're going to be doing because they revamped the whole women's team. Um, we know, we haven't even seen the American men yet. You know, yeah. what are they going to be bringing to the party? We saw that American men's four in the, in the World Cup and they were good. So there's just so many exciting talking points of what's going to happen between now and Europeans and then obviously on to World Championships. Sure. And we've seen through COVID, you know, crews don't have to, they don't have to be racing to, you know, people can come from training at home and, and stand on top of the podium easily. Exactly. You can see that those, that the, those sort of countries have got these brutal setups where they're just racing each other each day. And I think that's where the Greeks... They're going to be some sneaky Greeks coming out um, at Europeans. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to watch. But uh, I think uh, a huge thanks to you, Rog, for giving giving us a huge chunk of your time, coming and sharing your rowing knowledge. And it's been really, really awesome. A great fill-in for Jake whilst he's been racing. Uh, we didn't even chat much about him, but re- really great to see Jake on the water. Team South Africa holding the flag high. And yeah, hopefully they can 
step up and and do some little bit more damage in uh, at the the world champs. No, exactly. And I'm just going to put one more little nail in this. That's exactly why we saw no video work of of the South Africans on the on the Saturday because they, they were in some good semis. You know, Kirsten worked bronze in the in the in the lightweight women's single, which was awesome to see. But we couldn't see it live. Yeah. And and that's that's just where world rowing's got to pick up their game. But there's so much more to come. And thanks for having me on the show. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I love talking rowing. And it's just so much more to come. Because I think uh, that's enough of us. And enjoy your, your week. Let us know what we missed. Let us know who we offended. Uh, you can find the, the WhatsApp number or message me on Instagram. No problems. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you exactly what I think of your, your opinions. <laughs> <laughs> cool, guys. Thanks so much. Uh, cool. We're out. Ciao.